Three years ago, I had the great fortune to be fired. Not for the first time, I should say. Uh, I've now realized that I am deeply, deeply unemployable. And uh, to my great relief, my wife has also accepted this truth. But I was fired, and I thought, what am I going to do? Uh, and I'd had this idea in the back of my mind for well, about a year, I'd been going off my mind, to build a time machine. Uh, and this had come because when I was a child, I was fascinated by the idea of going back in time. Uh, I had a, some strange things in my upbringing, which meant that I had a strange sense of, of, of time and uh, dislocation of time. Uh, and of course, as I got older, I still did want to go back in time and build a time machine. So I came up with this idea called the retroscope. And uh, that is a, a visual time machine, uh, which we'll be launching later in the year, in which you can zoom into time and zoom through places and fly through time and do all sorts of fun things. And it's completely not what I'm going to talk about today. But I wanted to mention to you because it contextualizes uh, what I've been doing. So I went to my mother, this is, go back to being fired, fired, get in the car, drive to mother's house, con, I mean to borrow uh, uh, some money from my mother. Uh, I say borrow, you know, uh, it's, it's, that's still ongoing. But uh, and it enabled me to, to explore this idea of this time machine. And about six months into doing this, uh, a friend of mine said, why don't you start a blog? Uh, and I thought, well, I'm not quite sure what I would write about, but I, um, I was showing him various pieces of visual material that gave me uh, what I now call a retronautic rush, gave me the sense of dislocation in time, dissolving away the barrier between the present and the past. And I was showing him this stuff, and he said, well, you, know, just, you just show this stuff. And I didn't know anything about blogging. I'm not, not a computery person. Uh, by, by background, and uh, I, I searched on the web in blog, what, what should I do? And it, 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 sort of 10 tips for starting a blog. And it seemed to be if you do how to you know, make your lawn greener or <laughs> how to uh, you know, uh, instruct your child to obey rules or whatever it might be, that tended to work, a how-to thing. So I thought, well, I've got this word retronaut that I've been, it's been going through my mind for a while. I'll do how to be a retronaut, let's call it that. And I started this blog. And for the first, this, so this is about, uh, what, so this is not this January, but the previous January, so just over a year ago. And I started it, and I had uh, two or three hundred hits a day uh, from my mum uh, for several weeks. And, and that was it, but that was fine, you know, I was, I was enjoying talking to myself. And then January the 29th last year, I had 30,000 hits in one day. And I phoned up the guy who was helping with the IT, and I said, had 30,000 hits, is that a lot of hits? Uh, and he said it was a lot of hits. I, mean, I, I genuinely didn't know whether that was a lot, a lot of hits or not. And I'll show you the post that I, that I did. This is it. This was the post. I'd actually posted it up several weeks earlier. And this is a color image of Piccadilly Circus, as you can see. So I mean, it's not, not the most exciting of, of, of things. But for some reason, I now know what the reasons are, but this, this went viral. And people were spreading it around. And uh, it wasn't posted up on a particular site. It just was viral. And having spoken to people since, I, now, I know why that was. Now, I got a retronautic rush from it. But what happened, the process was like this. People would look at that and go, oh, look, there's Piccadilly Circus. 
and then they'd say, what is that a film set? And they'd look more closely at it and see that it's incredibly detailed and that it probably wasn't a film set. And then, and this is the interesting bit, they, would, they wouldn't actually consciously think this, but their brain would go, there wasn't colour photography in 1949. That's a picture from 1949. And of course there was, but most of us have a map of time which is dictated by the media that was available at that time. So we see the Victorian period is very you know, stilted and not smiling, very stern. And that was because the photography at that time needed a very long uh, exposure time, so there weren't very many sort of instant pictures or pictures of children or smiling and so on. But we can't really shift that. We still think of the Victorians and the past, actually. We think of the past as, as obsolete and dusty and almost sinister, slightly sepia-tinged. And so when you, so people, they think, okay, well, they didn't have color pictures. That, so how, and they say it's very detailed because it's actually a very high resolution picture. And they would think, but that's a digital picture. How can that possibly be the case that there's a digital picture of, of Piccadilly Circus in 1949? And they wouldn't rationally think any of those things, but that was the process. And that tiny fraction of non-computation in their mind where they didn't know what was going on, that was the, bit. That was why it went viral, because they wanted to sh share that experience with people. And that's what I trade off on, on How to Be a Retronaut. Every day I show something that, in some way or other, disrupts people's model of time and fractures it and breaks it apart. This is, oh, this was the, this is when it started off. This is how it looked. Um, actually grabbed, I didn't have this, this is from the Wayback Machine, I had to look it up. But anyway, so I carried on doing that, and it really took off, it's been amazing. Um, you can see some of the, the press coverage that I got, and that was out of that one original picture. And um, I've, I've developed it from there and iterated it out. I guess that's what I wanted to show you. So this is what it's been looking like more recently, although I'm going to show you some of the new secret designs that we're, that we're doing for it now. I kept doing it. I just did one a day. I just did one, one post a day, and it was picked up by the... Um, I'm telling you this because it was a surprise to me. It was picked up by the Daily Mail, and they quite often steal posts from How to Be a Retronaut without crediting it, which is fine. But, uh, it's all good, and uh, so I'm happy to... Uh, by the way, if you get mentioned in The Guardian, you don't get nearly so much attention from people as if you get mentioned in the Daily Mail. So just uh, remove your prejudices there. Uh, and um, it was mentioned in the New Scientist. Um, actually, that's quite, it says the New Time Lord there is from the quote from the New Scientist. What actually happened there was I was speaking at a conference and uh, I collared this guy from the BBC and sort of forced him to write about me, which is where the Forget Doctor Who BBC bloke. And the New, uh, the new Scientist guy was also there and he was sort of saying, so, you know, blah, 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 blah. And I, why should we write? I said, well, I just always imagined, you know, an, an article headlined the new Time Lord. And they wrote this article, and he said, uh, Chris Wilde, uh, who insisted on being referred to as the new Time Lord. <laughs> and I thought, right, well, I'm, okay, fine. It's fine. We'll still use it. So, we're, so and I, I got that uh, down. Um, and what's interesting to me, and perhaps one of the things I'd like to say to you, perhaps almost maybe the only thing I'd like to say to you that uh, you might want to think about, 
is if you are dealing with historic content, if you are dealing with content across time, you have this magical stuff. You have this incredibly powerful thing, whether you're working in a museum or in a collection or you're working with archives. And if you can tap into that, you can do really big, impacting things, as I stumbled upon, because I, re I really just stumbled upon it. And you can talk to audiences from all sorts of different ages, and I want to give you an example of that now. Because I found, uh, with How to Be a Retronaut, that uh, I get quite a lot of emails from archives saying, archivists saying, uh, I'm very grateful to you for making archives cool. And I was extremely uncool at school, so that's just you know, great for me to be thought of as cool. But I also get um, emails from, from much, much older people as well. I'll give you, and that's the example I wanted to give, give to you. Um, so anyway, back to the plot. So I had these 30,000 hits, and obviously that died away. Um, and now, to my astonishment, that's my average now, is 30,000 a day. Um, and I'll, I'll show you how that happened. So I had an email from a, a I get let, sent a lot of stuff on how to be a retronaut. And I had an email from a historian in Amsterdam. And she had, um, actually, no, somebody pointed me to her. She had found some negatives in a flea market. Uh, and she developed them. And they turned out to be um, from the time of the occupation, uh, the Nazi occupation of Amsterdam. So what she did, she went back to the places where those pictures were originally taken and re-photographed them and then used Photoshop to merge the two. It was a very interesting juxtaposition and, uh, and so on and so forth. Uh, and uh, I did a post on this. I called it The Ghosts of Amsterdam. And um, that was the one the Daily Mail really nicked. Uh, don't bother contacting them about it, by the way, because they won't reply. Uh, and so I posted this thing. Now, what was especially interesting, why these pictures were so powerful, was they also photographed a shooting, a shooting that happened in Dam Square after, uh, if you like, the outbreak of peace, after peace had been declared, and there were celebrations going on in the square, and uh, some uh, uh, Nazi soldiers were drunk and fired out from a hotel window, and then everybody scattered. And so what you got was this. So you can see... On the left-hand side there, uh, students, you know, as you, as you get in any uh, modern city now, with, uh, there's scenes of later with, the, with their backpacks and so on, just tourists mingling around. And over here we've got the SS sign and somebody leading away one of the wounded people with various hats and, and, and shoes around. And how to be a retronaut manages, because it only does this one thing, all it does is it looks for fractures in models of time. It means that I can post things which are very flippant and stupid, as long as they've got that. But I can also post things which are very serious, and it somehow fits together. Now, why I wanted to show you this and comment on this particular photograph is this was, I posted this last March in November, just gone. Uh, it was on the front page of reddit.com, uh, and I had 100,000 hits in one day, uh, which was a lot, of, uh, a lot of hits. So that was, like, that, that was uh, showing me the power the power of, if you shine the light from the right angle for historical content, it can be extremely hip and on the front page of Reddit. But I also had comments and emails from a boy who was in the square when the shooting took place, uh, who is obviously now uh, an old man. And again, just by shining the light from a particular angle, it managed to cut through to both those audiences. I can't remember what any of these slides are. 
I only did them yesterday, but I have no recollection of them whatsoever, so I'm just going to see it. Oh, yes, that's right, TED. So I was very fortunate. I was asked to speak at TED at uh, a particular conference, and that's me uh, with long hair um, showing some retroscopic flights, which I'd be more than happy to show you uh, at lunchtime if you'd like to see those. Um, my talk is yet to go online. I think this is because we have yet to launch the retroscope. So I think, again, they, a bit like my mother, I think they think I might be conning them <laughs> on the whole thing. Just a brief story about the long hair. The reason the hair had to go, uh, it did have to go, I was approached by Maverick TV, who make How to Look Good Naked. And they wanted to do a show. And, uh, or they wanted to explore doing a show. So we did a day's filming in, in Oxford City Museum, uh, which uh, I, I'm no longer allowed to go in, I think, as a result. But anyway, they asked me to put the goggles on. So I, and I put the goggles on like this. And with this hair, it just went like that. And, it, and I looked like John McEnroe. And I, I thought, okay, so I, either I've got to show my own personal commitment to being the retronaut, or I'm going to have to have long hair. So the hair had to go uh, to, to facilitate uh, wearing that. So that was why that was okay. Uh, this next picture shows me looking completely bemused uh, on the left there. And uh, the reason I'm showing you this is uh, partly show me looking totally bemused. But also, again, to illustrate that if you take historic content and forget everything you know about how you think about history and do something different with it is very, very powerful. And I ended up, because I just started this blog, and I ended up here. And that's uh, Roland Keating on the left, who's the head of archives at the BBC. So there I was on a, on a panel with him. Uh, having to tell him what, what his policy, the theory of what his policy should be. Um, I mean, he's perfectly capable of, of judging that for himself, but I, I did feel rather uh, at sea there. This, this power that I was talking about, this retronautic power, it's, it's this. For most people, most of the time, history is really boring. In fact, they're not even interested in thinking about whether it's boring, it just is boring. That's, that's how most people, I don't think like that, but, and you probably don't either, but most people see historic content, um, whether it's memories or stories or photographic archives or, or whatever it is, as boring because it's gone, it's over, it's behind them. So we, we think of time as, as, as time's arrow. We go from the past, which is behind us, through the present and into the future, and we're facing forward into either, you know, either with full of fear or full of excitement or just general sense of ennui, whatever it is. But the point being that, that what is behind us is the past, so why would we want to look back? And also, we can't look back and walk forward at the same time because we crick our neck. So that's something we're very uncomfortable to do. And actually, we enshrine that in, in society. We, we, say, we, we talk about looking back as being nostalgic. So that deals with that, or having rose-tinted spectacles, or um, we have the story of Lot's wife. She looked back and turned to a pillar of salt. So why would we do that? Um, and that's how most of us think of time, and we're conditioned to do that in society. And I don't have that model because of the way I was brought up. I think of time as radial. So imagine, in fact, imagine this. This is a post I did on how to be a retronaut, was the knitting clock. There's this clock that <laughs> somebody made that was a loop uh, with automated needles, and each tick did a stitch. And so what emerged from this circle was a tube, a scarf, coming out of time. And that, to me, is a much more accurate way of thinking of time, that what goes out from us 
is what becomes, what goes before us, what is earliest. So the earliest things are the furthest out, and we can even wind them back in. And that means that rather than seeing it as the past, which is a, a terrible name, we can see it as a timescape, uh, an index of creative possibility, an index of drafts. I was doing this presentation, I can't remember what's in it, but I did an earlier draft, and then I sort of rewound it back and thought, actually, no, that slide's got to go, and I should insert that. And, and that's how we curate life. We do versions of ourselves. We, we you know, have longer hair, shorter hair, whatever. It's all remixed in the present moment. And uh, when we think of time in this way, it's not about, it's, it's nothing to do with history, but it becomes something uh, very exciting. Oh, so some things I've been involved in, and I want to just show you a couple of posts from How to Be a Retronaut in case you haven't seen it. I was approached by Shire Books. I don't know if any of you know Shire. They're a staple museum publisher uh, here in Oxford. And they said, uh, Ooh, How to Be a Retronaut is very uh, interesting. What do you think we should do? So we've set up a, a joint project called Museumpreneurs. Um, and you may react with joy or fear at the, the, the news that this has been championed by the big society, of course. Uh, but basically, um, I love museums, and I also wanted them to thrive, and the budgets are being slashed and cut, so I thought, well, how can I help museums be more entrepreneurial? So that was museum printers. And we're looking at things like um, learning lessons. Oh, this, is a, this is a great little thing. Um, this is the London Underground uh, Transport Museum. And when you buy a cappuccino, it's got that on it, uh, which definitely made me want to go back there. Um, uh, and it's very entrepreneurial. Uh, here's another one. Uh, learning lessons from retail. We look at, because I'm, I'm, I think the best shops, like Liberty, uh, are places where objects are brilliantly displayed. And I think there are a lot of lessons to be learned from that uh, for museums. And, and this is All Saints. Uh, you can't quite see it in this illustration. But in every All Saints that you go to, and I recommend you do, they are stacked with Singer sewing machines. There's just millions, of, literally, well, not millions, literally millions, but hundreds and thousands of these Singer sewing machines. And, uh, and yet we normally look at a Singer sewing machine and go, meh. But if you put loads of them together, it's really exciting. So we looked at that. Um, this is a sock made by an ancient Egyptian. This is in the Petrie Museum. And the Petrie Museum, we're looking at working with the Petrie Museum around this sock because uh, they did a project to get people to come in and knit them. And uh, we think that this would be something that people would pay money for to have an ancient Egyptian shop. So we're looking at how we can do that. So here's some uh, final thoughts from me uh, that I wanted to share. These, these are kind of the distillation of everything that I've ever learned from doing How to Be a Retronaut. How to, how to be a regiment. Uh, simplicity. Let me just see what the next... Simplicity. I only do one thing. It's just that one thing. If it dissolves away the barrier between the past and the present, it's in. If it doesn't, however cool it is, it, it doesn't go in. So just do one thing. And I really focus on that. And I do it consistently. This is the slightly irrelevant graph. These are my Google stats. That's that 100 and something thousand one there. And you can... That's when it first took off, and it just sort of stayed rather static, and now it's really picking up. But because I've done uh, one post a day and kept it going, it, it's like, um, as I put it there, compound interest. It all, it all adds up, and, and, and the viral effect does work. Design is the untrumpeted important factor when you're dealing with any form of collection. Because all I really do is, is present it slightly differently. It's, it's only, I mean, it's really just a historical blog, is, is all it is. But 
Design is really, really important, and I wanted to get that right. So first of all, I stripped it right down to the absolute bare minimum. And having done that, I'm now going to expand it out to think, okay, well, what, what is this world of, uh, of retronauts? So I mean, the Maverick TV thing, I didn't really want to pursue that because I could see I would end up being a slightly hipper Dan Snow. And that's great, but Dan is perfectly capable of doing that, I'm sure. Um, and I wanted, people would say to me, retronaut, a great word, it would be great for children. And so who is the retronaut? I didn't really know. And uh, so I spent a lot of time thinking about that. And I'm now working with a Doctor Who writer uh, to see how we can fill out this backstory and, and, and create this world. And our first project coming out of that is going to be the Retronauts Manual, which will be uh, in, in this world the book that I found that uh, showed me how to view time. But design. So I stripped it right back. There it is. This is what we're doing next. We've got some other tweaks uh, to go on to it. Uh, but look at this there. So that's, you may know this. Um, golden ratio. So everything that's on how to be a retronaut is, is very golden ratioed. Uh, it was there, it, it is there. And people have often said to me, uh, I love the design of how to be a retronaut. Uh, you know, who did it? And I thought, I just did it. All I did was got the golden ratio, worked out the numbers. There's an app for it, you know, uh, and that's it. Imagination and magic. Uh, I'll do the imagination first. I just wanted to show you some of the posts for how to be a retronaut and encourage you to forget about history and think about imagination. Uh, you may know this quote, a uh, fantastic quote. I totally agree with it. If you're working with historic content, just to completely labor the point, you have the, the magic ingredient. You have, and it is this. This is the essence of it. A quote from G.M. Trevelyan, the historian. The poetry of history... The poetry of history lies in the quasi-miraculous fact that once on this earth, once on this familiar spot of ground, walked other men and women as actual as we are today, thinking their own thoughts, swayed by their own passions, but now all gone. One generation vanishing into another, gone as utterly as we ourselves shall shortly be gone, like ghosts at cockrow. And I think it's that slightly threatening tone that is under this mortality, the evidence of our own brief lives and the evidence of our own mortality that even when Atterbury is being really flippant is still there. So here are some of the things that I used to capitalize on that. This was a very successful post uh, last week. I get sent a lot of posts. Sometimes I've left it to the last minute. I think, uh, I've got to do a post tomorrow. I've just started doing two posts a day. Oh, I think, uh, I found this picture of Central. I thought, right, brilliant. In it goes. That was it. And, and it was really successful. The ones I labor over tend not to be picked up on. But this is a center of a skeleton that was made in America. Does anybody know who this is? I should, this is not actually a particular person. It's one of a group of people. I've seen the post. So right, OK. This man fought in 1812 in the Napoleonic Wars, and he is one of the veterans, uh, well, he was one of the veterans of the Napoleonic Wars, and there are photographs of these veterans in their late 70s and 80s in their original battle costumes, which have been let out because they've broadened as the years have gone by, and he is one of those. This is a picture of Egypt in about 1925. 
and did a post of color photographs, autochromes uh, from, uh, from Egypt from that period of time. And I cynically did it. Uh, at <laughs> I knew about these pictures for a while. Egypt took off. I thought, oh, this is probably a good time to do that. Uh, a friend of mine suggested I then cover every possible disaster. But I said, no, we'll just do, we'll just do Egypt. That'll be, that'll be fine. And they were very popular as well. This is IKEA Stonehenge. Uh, which is the probably now the third most popular post we ever did. Um, so the last thing, magic. Um, I read this book last. Well, I've read it twice now by Fifty Cent. You may know the rapper Fifty Cent. He wrote uh, in conjunction with uh, uh, an American academic my favourite book, which is called The Fiftieth Law which uh, is fear nothing. And in this book, in the last chapter, uh, Robert Greene, the academic, talks about the notion of the sublime. I'm sure many of you know about the notion of the sublime. So, but uh, uh, in this context, what I mean is that late 18th century artistic um, idiom, meaning the subliminal, that which brings us to the doorway of that which is beyond us, the eternal. And I was reading this chapter on the sublime uh, by 50 Cent, and uh, I thought, wait a minute, ah, this, this is it. This is what I've done. This is why How to Be a Retronaut is any good. It's the sublime. It's because each post collapses time, and you, it's a massive pretension alert, collapses time, and you encounter eternity. You encounter your own death and mortality. Uh, and for a moment, you go, what's now and what's the present? And, and, and that's the rush. Now, the thing is, that's inherent in any piece of historic content. We tap into that. And here's an example of where we tapped in it. Because we're not saying magic as in magic, in a big, exciting magic. This is everyday magic. So these, this group of posts, uh, pictures here, uh, this guy sent me some images. Uh, I, get, I get sent a lot of stuff. And he said, I went around the shopping malls in the summer of 1990 and took pictures in America. I said, did you? Uh, <laughs> uh, and he said, it's probably too recent for you. And I said, it probably is, but let's have a look. And there were about 200 of these pictures. And they're all very much like this. But I thought, uh, well, you know, I'm not going to do any work. They don't need equalizing or anything. I just lob them up. So I, I chose 60 of these pictures and put them up. And I didn't tell him that I'd done it, because I, sometimes I like to do it as a surprise. Because to my amazement, some people really love having this stuff on how to be a retro. So I do it as a surprise. And he said to me, the first he knew about the post going up was when the people in the pictures emailed him to tell him that it was them. And these pictures went crazy. And uh, I use sharing statistics as a way to kind of compete with myself as to how often something's shared. But also, it's just, it just interesting. And here's the sharing statistics of this one. So it was not viewed, but having been viewed, it was then shared 14,000 times which is not super typical for how to be a retronaut, but it, often the posts are shared a thousand times or so. That's quite normal. And uh, there, that, was the, that was the little note that I put out. And there's a hyperlink to him. And if you clicked on that, you could send him an email. And that's what happened. And it was picked up by um, NBC. And, and uh, he then um, is doing a book of these pictures. You know, he's got a publisher for them. Um, but those pictures are really boring. But people loved them because they encountered the sublime. And they encountered it because they couldn't believe they ever looked like that. 
And this was only 1990. And then they thought, again, I know this because it's got 70 or 80 comments, they'd say, but what, what, what must we look like now? And for a moment, their sense of time was fractured, and, and that was the magical thing. So thank you very much. <laughs>